This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. If God um, gave me a choice, and, and he has, has not, but if, if God were to give me a choice between uh, a stadium with hundreds of thousands of people um, and a gathering of pastors like this, I take this every time. Because, because the things that God has prepared for you, the things that God will do through you, exponentially you know will go so much further than what happens uh, in an evening and a night in a great stadium um, let me just set the stage uh, praise God for the musicians Amen. anybody get up and play this early in the morning thank you all so much thank you man um, so this this is very informal uh, I don't have a sermon okay I don't have three points in a poem okay so so um, you won't need all that. Uh, I just want to share with you some things from, from my heart. Um, this, you, this kind of gathering, this is, uh, this is my passion now. Uh, as I um, move into this season of my life, this is uh, men and women of God, leaders in the church. Is, uh, it's my heart. And I guess I've done a lot of the other stuff, but, and, and it's good, and I, I still will, but, um, but to gather with men and women who are on the front line, um, I, I don't take it lightly. And that you would come, uh, I'm honored. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so I don't, I don't, it's not a, not, I don't have a lot of structure. Uh, give me a time and then we'll go into questions and answers okay uh okay it's it's quarter after give me a time uh, one hour no I, I won't need that much time uh, uh, well okay maybe about 35 minutes or so and then we'll do some questions is that right okay okay um so i i have just um uh in february in february i preached uh what at that time was my last sermon my last message uh after 41 years of pastoring uh, at church, 40. Uh, some of you ain't been living 41 years. Well, some of you have, you just ain't telling it. But anyway, uh, uh, but after, after 41 years, and so I'm, I'm in this transition right now, okay? Um, literally, and I, I'm still... Um, I'm still trying to decide and, and to hear for what is my next assignment. Okay, so, so some of you guys, uh, now my brother, you, you'll be playing all night, so you can anytime you want to break and take a you know break, you you, you yeah yeah, but you'll be playing from now on if you're waiting on me, man. Okay, um, so so I um i I'm, I'm waiting on my next assignment so so some of you guys who, who maybe look in this way uh, so the new word is not retire so I'm not retiring okay I'm repositioning see, see. so the, 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 the new buzzword is repositioning 
So I'm waiting to see what my next assignment is. Um, I can tell you this, after 41 years, um, it's harder than I thought. Okay, this, this retirement thing, it ain't all it's cracked up to be, you know? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know? Um, I'm making it real. I, I had a professor, I had a professor at Oxford, at Oxford, and I was, was the first time I studied there, and her name was uh, Dr. King. She was a Dominican nun. She was a Catholic Dominican nun. She was the first woman to get a doctorate in theology from the University of South Africa, UNISA, UNISA, first woman. Uh, and she uh, was teaching at, at UNISA, then she came to Oxford, and she was my professor. And she, remember now, she's a Catholic nun. That's going to make sense in a minute. And so she said, she said, we order our lives around the rhythm of our relationship with God. Think about that for a minute. She said, we order our lives around the rhythm say, of our relationship with God. Our, our walk with God has a rhythm. It's a rhythm. And we order the rest of our lives around that rhythm. So now she was a Catholic nun. I told you she was a nun, right? And so... Um, she was just explaining that her, her days are very structured. She said, we get up at a certain time, we eat so many times a day, we pray so many times a day. So she's saying, my life is ordered, it's structured. And she says, and the rest of my life, I fit in, see, around my relationship with God. She said, we pray three, four times a day. And so at this certain time, you know what we'll be doing, we'll be praying. We eat at a certain time, we'll be eating, and so everything else is structured and ordered around that rhythm, that rhythm. Um, and so often people have asked me, well, how, how are you doing with the retirement and the repositioning? Um, I can tell you that uh, after 41 years, my rhythm is off. My rhythm is off. Think about that. You have a rhythm. Uh, Saturday nights and Sundays are hard for me because I had a rhythm. Uh, most of you, if you want to find you on a Saturday night, you know you, you're getting ready for Sunday. Want to find you at uh, eleven o'clock? You want to find Pastor Pastor Sonny on Sunday? Eleven o'clock Sunday. Don't look at the baseball field. You know, don't, don't, don't look at, at the mall. If you want to find him on a Sunday morning, see his rhythm, he'll be here. And so um, I'm, I'm struggling now to get into a new rhythm after having done an order for 41 years. Um, You, and I'm looking over this crowd, um, you, you need to look um, at where you're going. Look at where you're going. I had a friend, he was the dean of the School of Divinity at Howard University, Howard University. 
uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, he said, he said, most people concentrate on what they're going to do today. What am I going to do today? Put all your focus on what I'm going to do today. He said, a few people look at what do I do tomorrow. He said, but prophetic people look at what will I do day after tomorrow. I said it too fast. Y'all didn't get that. You missed that. Too fast. What are you going to do day after tomorrow? What are you going to do the season after your next season? Um, if you are anywhere near 50, you need to start thinking about what are you going to do next? How long will you do what you do? How long can you do what you do? And what are you going to do when you cannot do what you can do right now? Um, it's interesting the pattern that we have in scripture. Um, every, um, every Moses needs a Joshua. Every Elijah needs an Elisha. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Um, isn't it interesting that God, God told Moses very early on, he says, the, the people are going to the promised land. He says, but you won't go. Y'all do know Moses, don't you? Y'all remember that story? And God says, you won't go. And he began to see something in Joshua. It will prepare him for the next season. Because every Moses needs a Joshua. Who is your Joshua? How long will you do what you're going to do? In February, I, I, I preached, was at that time the last message. I announced a year before that, that one year from now I will step down. It wasn't because I was tired. It wasn't because I couldn't. But my season was up. My God. Jesus. It wasn't because I was in poor health. I praise the Lord. I didn't want to wait until I... I, I wanted to walk out the pulpit. And I, wow. I didn't want to be dragged out and crawled out. You know? I, I wanted to finish well. And I want to be well when I finish. You didn't get that. Let me say it again. Your goal ought to be, I want to finish well. And I want to be well when I finish. Because there's a Joshua who will need you. There is a Joshua who will need you to be their Moses. My son, who is pastor of the church now, had been with me for 17, seven years, seven years, and... He's doing an amazing job. I want to be to him what no one was to me. My, 
My, my job description in this season is I want to pastor the pastor. I, I, I did not have um, a Moses. I had friends, I had people, you know, but I did not have anyone who fathered me, who pastored me. Um, you want to have enough left to be a Moses to your Joshua. You want to finish well, but you want to be well when you finish. Moses. God told Moses early on that he would not go to the promised land. Someone did this a mathematical computation. They calculated the first time when God told him that, see, and the time when he eventually stood on that mountain and God said, see, 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 see that promise? He said, see that over there? He said, you ain't going. And that's when Joshua took him over. Someone calculated that from the first time God told him to the time that Moses died was 38 years. In other words, God told him, you're not going to go. You're not going to go. And he served and, and was faithful to God. But God said, you're not going to go. And someone said, it took about 38 years before he stood on that mountain and he was going to die. 38 years. That God said no. Let me ask you a question. How long would you serve God with a No. How long would you serve God if God says no? If you follow his life, the Moses' life is broken out into 40, 40, 40. And that last 40 years of his life, he was faithful. He was a leader. He trusted God. And God had already said no. How long would you serve God? After God says no. Um, some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you will never, listen to me, don't, 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 don't get mad, just listen to me. Some of you will never stand before and pastor a thousand people. Some of you will never stand on a Sunday morning. You will never stand before a thousand people. If God says what you have now is all you will ever have, how long would you serve God when he says no to a thousand? Moses served God rest of his life some said for another 38 years his heart's desire was to go to the promised land and God said no and he was faithful if you look at his life 40 40 40 120 when he died he he was faithful and God had said no how long would you serve God when God says what you want most of all 
you will never have it. And he was faithful the rest of his life. Probably one of the most common, popular, well-known, certainly of the Psalms, is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Everybody knows that, you know. I wouldn't even dare stand to preach it. Psalm 23 in front of y'all. Y'all know everything about it. You know everything about that verse. The Lord is my... See there, you know that. See there? Think about that. David said, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Remember when they were looking for someone to anoint? Remember that? When they came and they were looking through Jethro's family and stuff, and, and they, everybody came, no, he's not the one, he's not the one. And then somebody, and they said, oh, oh, I have one more. I have one more. I have the little kid, the young one, I, I, I got a kid. So where is it? He said, he, he's out tending the sheep. He's out uh, uh, being the shepherd to the sheep. And so David, David uh, was trained as a shepherd. And in Psalm 23, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's the shepherd's dilemma. That's your dilemma. That's my dilemma. David was a shepherd who needed a shepherd. How many pastors have a pastor? The, the word, the, the, the New Testament word for pastor is shepherd. And so David, who was a shepherd, said, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is your shepherd? Ministry. Most of us in ministry here, okay? Ministry can be a lonely business. Ministry is lonely. We stand before dozens and hundreds and sometimes thousands. We stand, uh, we're surrounded by people who serve and, and people on our staff and everything. But ministry is a lonely business. Who, uh, who is your Nathan? Who, who walks close enough to you to tell you you're on the right track, you're on the wrong track? Uh, who, who loves you enough to rebuke you? Who would you allow to rebuke you? That's the shepherd's dilemma. We, we, we are shepherds who need a shepherd. I'm, I'm asking God to give me time to pastor the new pastor of the church that I served for 41 years. Because he needs a pastor. I know he does because I needed one. Because ministry is a lonely business. Where can we go that's safe enough to be yourself. Where, where can we go 
where you're safe enough to be yourself. David said, Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. David was a shepherd. He, he knew. Now you would think, you would think that when sheep saw green pastures, you would think they just automatically lay down because they knew it's the time to rest. But David was a shepherd. He, he, he knew sheepology. He knew sheep, and he says, something about that sheep, when they see green pastures, they'll just run right on through the shell, right on through the valley, right on through the green, green pastures. And so he says, God loves me enough. He'll make you lie down. He makes me lie down. How much time do you take off? How much time do you get away from the sheep? How much time do you rest? Do you go from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday like I did? Uh, and God says, now you got a choice. You can lay down on your own or I'll make you lay down. One way or the other, you're going to get down. Oh, yeah, you're going down. David says, he'll make me lie down. I, I know, men that I know, pastors that I know, they've either burned out or been put out. They've either burned out or, or they've stretched themselves so much, they slip, they fall into sin, they fall or whatever it is. Um, because they, 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 they did not allow the time uh, to lie down. God says, I'll make you lie down. Um, how, how much time um, do you spend with your family? Some of the most angry people I know are sons and daughters of pastors. Some of the most neglected boys, girls, men and women that I know are those who were neglected by their sons, by their fathers, or their mothers. Uh, some of the loneliest people I know are pastors' wives. Some of the loneliest people I know, some of the angriest people I know are pastors' wives. Uh, they, they, they've often been abused and disrespected and still have to hold their head up praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord God says if he has to he'll make you lie down you, you don't want your church and the ministry to be your spouse's rival is this working? Yes, sir. is this on? You don't want your wife, your children to feel as though they lost daddy or they lost their husband to the church. I mean, you, you work for God. Who, 
who can compete with God? My, my, my husband didn't go away with another woman. He ran away with God's woman. The church is the bride of Christ. You are cheating on your wife with God's woman. The bride of Christ says, I'll make you lie down. Um, David says, um, yea, though I walk through the valley, through the valley, through the valley, through your valley. I just told you, ministry is a lonely business. I am walking through this valley by myself. Um, I want to ask you a question. Here it, here it is, here it is. If the, the, the best blessing you've ever had, the best thing that you can think of, if you got a great blessing, a great blessing, a powerful, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you got a great blessing, here's the question, who would be the first person you called? One more time. You, you got a great blessing. God did something wonderful. Who, who's the first person you call? Uh, we're going to see. Don't answer too fast. Something terrible happens to you. You fall. You're hurt. You sin. The worst thing you can think of happens to you. Who would you call? I'll give it to you again. The best thing that happens to you, who would be the first person you call? Second question. The worst thing that happens, something horrible, something terrible. You fall, you sin, something, I don't know what it may be. The worst thing, who would be the first person you call? Don't say your wife or your husband. No, 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 don't even try that, okay? See, y'all so spiritual in here. I can't, I can't. I, I'm trying to go another level with y'all because y'all, I'd call my wife and, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> best thing happened to you, number one, who would you call? The worst thing happens, who would you call? Question number three. Would it be the same person? I'll give it to you again. The best thing that happened to you, who's the first person you call? The worst thing that happens to you, who's the first person you call? Third question. Would it be the same person? Usually not. Because usually the first person who rejoices with you is not the same person who can weep with you. And some folk can weep with you but not rejoice with you. And they weep with you instead of rejoicing because they're glad it wasn't them. The worst thing that happens to you, who would you call? The best thing that happens, who would you call? Listen to me. Is it the same person? Yeah. Yea, though I walk through the valley all by myself. That's ministry. That's, that's being a shepherd. It's those times when you walk through that valley all by yourself. And then he, 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 he wraps it up. He says, uh, and there in the valley, I love this one. 
Yedo, I walked through the valley. So the camera's rolling. Camera, see, remember the camera's rolling, not snapshot. And camera, and the camera's rolling, and you're going into the valley, into the valley, and the camera's still rolling. See now, while you're still in the valley, see, he prepares the table. Y'all didn't get that. While you're in that valley of that shadow of death, what's the shadow of death? Shadow of death is not death. It's just a shadow of death. You, 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 you ain't dead. You look like you did, but you ain't dead yet. Uh, you, you, you didn't die, but, you know, it's, it's like something happens and you say, say what? I say, child, I like to die. You, you didn't die. It was just a shadow of death. Okay? Uh, you ain't, you're not there yet. Okay, let me help you. Uh, uh, any, anybody ever, ever walked into a room to do something? And forgot what you were, what you went in there for. Oh yeah, okay. Now that ain't death, but that is the shadow of death. <laughs> he says, "I'm going through this valley, going through the valley, and the camera's rolling, camera's rolling." And he said, "I will fear no evil, for thou art with me." Then it says, "Now in that valley, God does something." God, I love your word. While I'm still in that valley, God does something. He prepares. A table. Uh, he, he, he sets a spread. And he sends out invitations. And he invites all the haters. And the naysayers. And the ones who said you'd never make it. And prepares that table in the presence of your enemies. And lets God let them see him bless you. He, he doesn't bless you behind closed doors and behind the camera. No, he, he puts you right out front and says, now see what happens when I lay my hand on her, when I keep my hand on her, when I bless her, when I give her favor, when I give her destiny, when I give her power. He'll bless you in the middle of your haters. He, he, he prepares a table in the presence of those who said you'd, anybody ever said you wouldn't make it? Y'all don't have those, those kind of people down here in Texas, I know, but I'm from Hollywood, so I know what it's like, see. The ones who said, which, he, he, he can't preach anyway. Uh, she'll never make it. Uh, she, they'll never make it. That church will never go. Uh, they, 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 they'll never be successful. And God will say, shh, shh, come here, come here, come here. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Let me watch you, let you watch me bless them. Here's the table in the presence of your enemies. Then he says this. And then he says, when you're coming out the valley, look over your shoulder. See, see. Uh, you're being followed. And the implication of the text is, what's following you has been following you all along. You'll miss that. What's following you has been following you before you went into the valley. And been following you when you're coming out of that valley. Surely goodness. And mercy. Now, follow doesn't just mean get behind. The word follow means to pursue. It means to seek after. It means to run after. Surely goodness and mercy are running after me. And the first thing he says is, slow down. I got a blessing for you. 
Some of you are too busy to get the blessing. Some of you are moving too fast to get the blessing. God says, goodness and mercy are following you, running after you, pursuing you. All the days of your life. Even after he says no. Even after you've been in the valley. Even after you have fallen and drifted and gotten discouraged. And God says, I've never left you. I'll never forsake you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days. I declare that over your life. You're being followed. Uh, One version says, it's like a detective who can always find you. When you're trying to hide from God, he'll find you. When you're so discouraged you can't go another day, he'll always find you. Surely, goodness, I speak the goodness of God over your life. I speak the mercy of God over you. Shall follow you all the days of your life. And with those hands that are up, put them together and give God praise. All right, I got, I got 15 minutes later and we're out of here. 15 minutes. Anybody got any questions? Anybody got any questions? If we don't have questions, we can leave now. Okay, anybody? Anybody got no questions? All right. 41 years. 41 years. 41 years. Okay. All right. All right. David. All right, all right. Sister in the front, yeah. Good morning, sir. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you so much. You were intentional in handing over to your Joshua. Yes. Yes, and you announced a year prior. A year ahead, yes. Um, so um, how did you arrive at that? Okay, good. A couple of things. Okay, That's the first question. Yeah. And then the second question, um, there were fears. Yes. Of the next season and having nothing to do on Saturday yes. evening. How yeah. did you deal with that or prepare yourself for that next yeah. season? A couple of things. Um, and I learned this the hard way. The hard way. Uh, and here's a principle of, of pastoring. You never do it before you teach it. Let me say it again. You never do it before you teach it. In other words, you lay a biblical, you lay a spiritual foundation for that next move before you move. So I had done a series and continued it, a series of messages on Moses and Joshua and, and out of Egypt and into the promised land. So, so I began to prepare the people. That was the first thing, prepare. Um, be, because... because a move that drastic, you know, I've been there 41 years, you know, uh, it was hard. It still is hard, okay? Uh, so first of all, you lay the principle, you teach it, you teach it. It's, the bigger the move is, the bigger the change is, the more you teach it. You prepare the people for it. And even in preparing it, some of them still won't be prepared. But you lay the foundation in that house. Here's what God is saying. Here's where God is taking us. Here's where God is leading us. And you cite every, every, every move. And you, some of you saw it in the video yesterday. Yesterday, Every move that we've ever, ever done in 41 years, every major move, I taught it before I did it. 
when we when we changed, when I came to, to church, the church was called Faithful Central Baptist Church. Okay, nothing wrong with Baptist, but when I came, it was Faithful Central Missionary Baptist Church, and we eventually changed the name to Faithful Central Bible Church. Okay, uh, I taught a whole series on how God changes your name. Okay. At that time, I'd been in the church thirty some years, and so um, who changes the name of a church? You know. And where does that come from? So, again, you teach it before you do it. You lay that foundation. Uh, whatever that next major move is. And so I had to teach on, on Paul and Timothy. I had to teach on, uh, on Moses and Joshua. To let them see the pattern is already there. Now, how do we walk into that? Okay. Number one. The next thing was, from a very practical standpoint, uh, I began the, the year before I stepped down, I announced it, and then that next year was, was when I was going to step down. But during that year, I moved him from being my, he was our pastor of young adults. I moved him from being that to be co-pastor. Okay, don't miss that. He was staff pastor. And I knew, and I, I explained the whole thing about, well, how do you know it's him? And I did, you know, how did Moses know it was Joshua? You know, you teach that. And so I moved him for, for a year as co-pastor. And during that, co during that year, more and more I began to pass things on to him. I began to walk with him. I let him see some things that he wouldn't have been in. Let him be in some meetings that he would not have been in. Let him sit on some decisions that he would not have been involved in. Let him make some decisions. See? As, as again with the Moses and, and Joshua model. Um, so you, you teach it, you teach it, you teach it, and then you teach it before you do it. That establishes the principle. It helps the people, but it does not always prepare the people. You missed it. It helps the people. It does not always prepare the people. Uh, uh, I just got, I just, uh, I, I preached on Father's Day. And a lady came up to me and she said, she said, Pastor, she said, Pastor, uh, uh, she said, now, I know you ain't pastor no so you're going to always be my pastor. I'm just saying, I, you know, I ain't nothing personal, nothing personal. I'm just saying, you know, you, you going to be my pastor. So, so, you acknowledge that. You acknowledge that. You know, uh, there are people who, 41 years, I baptized them. Some of them, I baptized their children. Then I baptized their grandchildren. See? Okay? So, so they, they're never going to shift, you know. And I, so, so, in that last year, I said to them, just as Moses presented Joshua, I said to the church, you guys support him. Here's what I said. For 40 years, you've trusted me. Now, trust me on this one. My God. Yeah, for 40 years, you've trusted me. You know? And so, you, you do, you do, number one, you teach it, you teach it, teach it. Second thing is, you stand on your track record of leadership based on God's track record of blessing. I'll give it to you again. You, you stand on your track record. You, you trusted me all these years. Why wouldn't you trust me on this? When we, when we bought the, 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 uh, the Great Western Forum, where, where the uh, Lakers used to play, a couple came to me, a deacon said, it's the devil. He said, it's the devil. He said, I ain't, I ain't going. He said, it's the devil. I'm still looking for him. I don't know where he is now. But, uh, but my point is this. Everybody will never do nothing. 
that's bad English, but everybody going to never get along. But you set the pattern in the house, okay? And you recognize, you know, uh, uh, same thing. Everybody didn't cross over to the promised land. Everybody didn't cross over. But you set the pattern as a leader. And the, the, the most significant thing that you have as a leader is your integrity as a leader. Let me say it again. The, 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 the most, the, the, the currency that you have, the capital that you have, is tied into your integrity of having led the people this far. You trusted me when, when you to, to, bury, to, to bless your children, trusted me to build a building, you trusted me to go to the whatever it is. Now, can you trust me on this one? You, 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 you heard me when you said I heard from God on the building, on the fellowship, on the convention, whatever it is. Trust me on this one. And there are still some people who are struggling with that. I did not go into that building for four months because I wanted to let them see this is the man that God said is the pastor of this church. And so what's that verse that says, if you can't trust me, trust me for my work's sake. You know? So it is an ongoing principle of preparation and then practice. Preparation and practice. Um, I, I not only could not go to that church, I only watched the service, and it was half a service, one time from February to June. Because I looked in one time and I was too critical. Why did they do, why did they do that? What's wrong with the lights? The cameras is wrong. The microphone is wrong. Why did he say that? You know? And I found myself sitting in the seat of the scornful. So when you release, when you go into that next season, you've got to let that season go, you know, and stand there and be there if there's a fall, if there's a mistake. I, I told him, I was telling, telling the first lady, I said, I told him, listen, I did this, I was wrong. I did this, that was a mistake. He said, I don't want you, I said, I don't want you to make the mistakes I made. Make some new mistakes. But, but don't make the ones that I made, you know. So I shared with him the mistakes that I made, um, he, he probably has more of a pastor's heart than I did. My strongest gift was preaching. He has a strong gift for pastoring. You know? um, he, he is a, he's a good relational guy. You know? um, I, I stood on the mountain more. When, when the battle was going on, Moses, uh, Moses was on the mountain. Joshua was in the, in the valley fighting. You get that? And so allow that person to be themselves, and yet you must run interference for them. You must, you must prepare the way for them. Uh, and it's an ongoing battle. It, it's, it's an ongoing. Yes, yes, yes. First lady. Thank you, Bishop, for sharing uh, with us towards the end and the transition aspect of ministry. Uh, my question really relates to the process during, um, more in the middle. How did you deal? Um, I have two questions. The first one is, how did you deal with disgruntled leaders that you were over? I'm sure in 41 years, you've had situations where people did that, you know, were 
part of your leaders, but did not agree with you. How did you manage that situation where, you know, that we, that we can learn from? And then the number two questions is for pastors. You mentioned that uh, one of the most, the, the loneliest people that you've ever um, met are pastors' wives. Right. What are your, looking back now, what can we learn from you, sir? Um, especially pastors dealing with their wives being left behind or not pouring into them enough. What advice can you give so we do not make some of the mistakes that others have made? Thank okay. you, sir. Okay, you guys help me. Number one, disgruntled leaders, and number two, pastors' wives. Don't let me forget that, okay? Because okay? I'll forget. Right? I'm 75 years old, see? I'm just saying. And, when you get 75, two things go. Your memory goes. And I forgot the second one, but whatever it is, I'm just saying. So y'all help me so I don't forget, okay? Okay? So, disgruntled leaders and pastor's wives, all right? Okay. Um, how, do you, how do you deal with dis not, not just leaders, but disgruntled members? With clarity. First of all, with clarity, you know, um, I would rather be disagreed with than misunderstood. You get that? I, I'd rather you hear what I'm saying and disagree with that than to misunderstand what I'm saying. How do you do it with clarity? Um, that often takes time. Um, here's what I believe God said. Here's what the word says. Clarity. Here, here, is, here is where I sense God is leading us. Clarity. Um, clarity will help most. Won't help them all. How do you deal with disgruntled leaders or just disgruntled members? Uh, when I came to our church, we had about, 100 and, ooh, about 150, 140 people. Okay. Uh, who worshiped on Sunday, a little less than 150. Um, and within a couple of years, we had grown to several hundred. See, everybody talks about the ones who came. Nobody talks about the ones who left. A bunch of them left. Uh, number one, clarity. Um, number two, how can I say this delicate? Here's what a pastor told me. He says, when God separates the goats from the lambs, don't run after the goats. So when, when God separates them, don't run after the ones God's trying to separate. Let's go back to Moses. One of the most painful things that you as a leader, as a pastor, one of the most painful things you'll ever deal with, man, is to come to a point where you, Moses again, where you realize everybody who came with you can't go with you. I said it too fast, y'all didn't get that. Everyone who came with you can't go with you. There are people who will come so far and they can go no further. If, if you look, look at, again, just the journey of Moses. One year, one year, I had to lay off 11 people in two months. 
three months, October, November, in three months, I laid off 11 people. 11. We had to cut the budget almost a million and a half dollars. And I had to lay off 11 people. Clarity. Clarity is we can't make it if we don't cut this budget. Clarity. We have a financial problem for whatever reason. And we have to cut a million and a half, a million, 1.49, whatever it was. And I laid off 11 people. I never forget it. It was the week that my mother died that I laid off the first seven. Yeah, first seven. My mother died in October. And then a few months later, I laid off another four. We laid off 11 people in, 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 in a matter of months. Three years ago, two years ago, two years ago, I was at a funeral, and a man came to me after the funeral. He says, Bishop, can I see you for a minute? I said, yeah. Came to me. He said, uh, I, I came to you. He said, I, I got one talk to you. He says, uh, I need you to forgive me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've been mad at you for 10 years ever since you fired me. He said, I've been mad at you for, for, since you fired me. And I came to apologize because I didn't understand. Now, when I fired him, he started his own business. And his own business is thriving. And our church is one of his clients. He has a limousine service. And our church is one of his clients. He makes much more money off of me as a client than he was as an as a employee. You know what I'm saying? So you, clarity. And then number two, Jesus lost one. You, everybody who came with you can't go with you. One of the hardest days of a, of a leader, of a pastor, is to come to the point where you realize that sister so-and-so who came with you cannot go with you. I'm going to talk tomorrow about the significance of a fresh anointing. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. So if y'all ain't here, get the, get the tape. Okay? Because everybody who came with you can't go with you. Um, wives, someone, 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 should develop a small group of like-minded wives. What do I mean by that? Um, you, you can't be too close to someone whose husband is jealous of your husband. Let me try this side over here. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, because wives need, need friends too, but I'm saying it's hard, for, it's going to be hard for you to be close to a woman, to a, to a wife whose husband is jealous of your husband. His church is bigger than ours, he, he thinks he's all that, you know, so that's, gonna, but the point is you got to, you, you have to oftentimes take the initiative, and I'll tell you, it'll always be a small group, it, it won't, won't be too many. Won't be too many. My my wife has my wife has one about two or three. You you can count your real friends on one hand and you won't need your thumb. Right? So I think it's this. It is to recognize that everybody needs somebody. 
it's the women, it's the wives that I know who are already struggling in their position, but they, they don't have any real friends outside of that circle. Uh, it may not be a member of your church, too. It may be another pastor's wife or something like that. But I think you have to be aggressive about it. You have to take the initiative. Prayerfully take the initiative. Prayerfully take the initiative. Prayerfully take the initiative. Prayerfully take the initiative. Yeah. No, be, be, because you can't talk to everybody. You can't talk to everybody. Everybody won't understand the position that you're in. Everybody does not understand that you are not the person that they see with the designer stuff on Sunday and all that kind of thing. No, you just girlfriend. You know. So you have to be aggressive about it, be intentional about it. But whatever you do, don't be out there by yourself. I know a young lady right now, her husband retired uh, a couple of years before I did. She's a lonely sister. She had no friends at the church, and she had no women's, no pastor's wise friends outside of the church. She's a lonely, and she's bitter. She's very bitter. She's very bitter. She's bitter, bitter, bitter. You have to take the initiative and recognize that everybody needs somebody. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. My question is, as a young pastor, you need a Moses, you need a Nathan, or you need a father. But you notice that those you look up to as fathers are threatening about your progress. It doesn't about have to be... Threatening about your... Progress. As, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. Or those you look up to yes. as fathers, you can share yes. your yes. pain, you can share your fear with them. So right. how do you pick a father? that can give you feather to fly. Yes, yes. Then number two, you said um, this, it's not the same person you share your joy with, that you share your pain with. How do you locate somebody you can share your pain with and will rebuke you and give you comfort to go forward? Yeah. This sounds super spiritual and oversimplistic. Um, I'll tell you that before I say it, okay? Um, I prayed for a father. I prayed for a father. Um, the man now who fathers me most, I prayed for. He doesn't even run in my circles. Uh, he doesn't pastor another church in this. As a matter of fact, he's in, he's in, matter of fact, he's in Texas. Uh, I prayed for him. You've seen in the Bible where it says that certain, that there was a man who prayed for a son. We need to be sons who pray for a man, for a father. Daughters who pray for a mother. The Bible talks about level of maturity is when you move from being older to being elder. Did you get that? He said, let the elders teach. And so there's a level of maturity where God takes you and you're supposed to father. I think for our situation, uh, I couldn't find anybody. And I, I prayed. And, and the man that God sent does not even run in my circles. Does he run in my circles? Doesn't need anything from me. Doesn't, isn't jealous about me. He, he's my biggest cheerleader. But he'll also yank my chain. Yeah. I prayed for him. I pray, I'm not lying, I pray for him. Because I realized I didn't have anybody, man. When we, when we bought, bought that big, big building uh, in, in Los Angeles, 
um, preachers laughed at us. They, they, made, they made jokes about us. They made fun of us. The business community laughed at us. They said we'd never do it. They stood against us. They, 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 they prophesied that it would never happen. They did. They prophesied it would never happen. You pray for everything else. The first thing is realize that you need someone. And secondly, prayerfully trust God to send someone. This man that, that God sent, God sent him. I wouldn't have chosen him myself. He doesn't run in my circles. Matter of fact, he's white. He's a great, great guy. And I couldn't make it without him. He's prayed me through every, every valley, every challenge I've been for the last several years. Pray for someone. Uh, the other, the second question was what? Second part. About father. Would you share your pain with? Um, same thing. Pray for it. Um, I have shared with the wrong person. I I have made I have I have shared with the wrong person. I have shared with someone. I have I have shared with someone who I asked to pray with me about something, and they prayed I wouldn't get it. Yeah, yeah, I that that's that's tough. That's tough. I mean, over and over you see you see prophets standing alone, standing alone. That's tough. Part of it is just realizing that's tough, man. I don't have a magic formula for that. I have often trusted the wrong person. I I have I have trusted people who were jealous of me. Um and that hurts. That that hurts, man. Uh th there's no formula for that. I don't have a formula for that. Ultimately, it comes down again to praying for someone and then taking a risk. You know, taking a risk, taking a risk. Um, everybody, remember the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep. Some folk can weep with you, but they don't rejoice with you. See? Uh, they, they, they'll weep with you, but actually they'll weep with you because they're glad it ain't them. But, but, but sometimes it's hard for people to rejoice with you. I don't have a formula for that. It, it, it's, it's prayer, man. I, I, I just wrote somebody this morning. Just wrote a guy this morning. The guy who's my father. He's in Brazil now, out of the country. I said, look, man, I'm going through this, going through this. I said, when you get back, we'll talk. But I need you to pray for me on this. Just this morning, I text. He's in Brazil right now. I text him. I said, look, man, I'm going through this. I, and I, I couldn't tell anybody else that. I'm going through something very personal, very private. And, and, but I could trust him. I could trust him. Uh, I don't have a formula for that. I think, I think you're in danger when you think you don't need anybody. See what I'm saying? I think the biggest danger is to think you don't need anybody. Uh, and then you've got to take a risk. You've got to take a risk. Yeah. Um, thank you, sir. Um, you mentioned, I know you mentioned like an age range um, in the beginning, like if you're around the ages of 50. And so I wanted to ask, like with the same thing with Moses and Joshua, can we, is it possible, I'm 22, so can, is it possible to still start learning those values at a much, much younger yeah. age? And how do you practice that with my demographic? You know, I think the flip side of the scenario is not so much the Moses and the Joshua, but the Elisha and the Elijah. Uh, Elijah tried to get rid of Elisha. He said, man, leave me alone. Leave me. 
would you stop following me? Would you stop following So I, I, no, seriously, I, I think it is to, back again, prayerfully, it, it, is, it is to be the one who reaches out. I, 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 a, a guy, uh, um, did, you play, Jay, did you play golf at that time? Doc. Doc. There's a guy, there's a guy who got saved when we, on, when we were in the forum up in row 65 or somewhere. And he got saved in row 65. And he now pastors a church in the valley. Valley. And he called me out of the clear blue. He said, Bishop, I got saved under, 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 under your leadership at the, at the forum. He says, and I'm pastoring a church now in the valley. He said, I got about 25 people. He says, can I call you sometimes? I said, hey, man, you, you can call me. He made the step. That's my point. God, God told, I mean, Elijah told Elisha, quit following me. Go on back home. Leave me alone. And Elisha kept following, kept following, kept following. He was the aggressor. And then when Elijah got ready to go, he said, and I'm going to tell you something. When I let this mantle go, if you're in position, see, if, you, if you're close enough to me, when I let it go, you'll pick it up. So I think it is, I, I, I have been the aggressor with people. I, I, I have stepped out, you know. And sometimes it's a risk. It's a, I mean, Elisha took a risk. He, he was the great Elijah. He said, man, I ain't nobody got time for you. Go home. Go home to your mama. But Elisha took the initiative and said, I see something in you. I see something in you that God wants to do in me. And he made the step. He, was the, he took the initiative. And he said, I ain't going. I'm not going. And Elijah dropped that mantle. Because he was in position. He grabbed it. I would say again, back to what I said, but this brother right here. I make an issue of prayer. And I would go for it, man. I, my, my, my wife gets upset with me sometimes because I'm, I'm on the road sometimes and, and, and guys will say, and, and I give them my number. Yeah. There are guys who have my number. They can reach me on the moon. I don't even, you know. And my wife said, well, but, but, but I remember when I was where they were. See, I remember that. And, 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 and sometimes that's me calling their bluff. Because I've had guys across the country do that, and they say, give me that. I say, can I, they say, can I call you? I say, yeah, call me. I give them the number, and they never call. Well, I didn't need them anyway. But the ones who were in position, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying God will connect you in the spirit with somebody, man. God will connect you in the spirit. And, and you, you, you're not, you're not, and because you know it's God, you won't abuse it. You're not going to put their they picture on Facebook and put their telephone number on Instagram and stuff. You, you don't do that. But you recognize that God brought you together. There, there's something about a holy hookup. When God hooks you up with somebody, man, and you must steward that. You, you must steward that. I, I've got some people in, in, in my, my phone now uh, who I can call right now. I, I would never give you their number. You know, I steward that relationship. You know. Um, I, I glean things from them. And if I don't ask, I won't get it. And don't be shame. <laughs> God will connect you with somebody. Yeah. He will, man. God will connect you with somebody. Yes. Yeah. That's it? Good? That's it? All right. One more? Okay. Yeah, one more. Good. Thank you again, sir. Um, when God gave you a vision... I think the teaching has been that you, you teach and teach and teach your leadership team. So yesterday you were talking about Abacoc, how the body came before the vision. 
So my question, which is part of my own frustration right now, is how do you teach your leaders, your leadership team, to catch that burden for them to be able to truly align with the vision? Intentionally and repeatedly. In other words, the, they will only catch it if you are in relationship with them. Let me give you a great example, a bad example, but a great example. Uh, the leadership team that was my team when we bought the forum, when we did all that kind of stuff, that team uh, had my heart. They had my heart. Um, the team that I passed on to him um, has my spirit. What do I mean by that? They have the spirit of community involvement, have the spirit of progression, spirit of leading the community. They, they, they understand that. But they don't understand my heart. Um, I shared my heart with the first group more than I did with the second group. Um, by the time I left, there were guys on the leadership team who wanted to lead, they appreciated what God's doing in the church, but, but they, they didn't know my heart. And that was my fault. And I told my son, I said, don't you make this mistake. Don't make that mistake. What, what I, there, there, are, there are guys and women who are on this board now who were brought on by members who were already on. Does that make sense? They voted on by those who are already on. They don't have my heart. They don't have my heart. They, they got my, they, they know oh, who the church is and the community and all that kind of stuff, but, but they don't have my heart, see? And, and I, did not, I did not give them my heart. Um, Joshua, Joshua had Moses' heart. He, he had the vision of going across. He knew it's where we're going, but, but he had Moses' heart. Uh, I would say not only give them the vision and the burden, but give them your heart. Um, and that's an investment that you make into them. I just told my son, I said, man, don't make this mistake that I did. I said, there, there are people on this board now, I don't even know their, I don't even know their, their wives' names. There are people on this board, I don't know their children's names. Now, when back in the heyday, when I was on, I knew everybody, knew their mama, knew their daddy, knew their uncle, I knew everybody, see? And I shared my heart with them. You must not only share your vision, you must share your heart. If you share your vision with someone who does not have your heart, they'll distort the vision. I have a friend of mine in, in Atlanta, Georgia. He had a son. Had a son uh, who and it was his right hand man. Traveled all over the world with him, and 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 he he had the vision. Had the vision. Had the vision. He split that church and took 600 members with him and started a church across town just like the vision, see, of his daddy. But he didn't have his daddy's heart. If they have your vision and your heart, they'll walk in your footsteps. 
if they have your vision without your heart, they'll distort the vision and they'll detach with the vision. He started a church with 600 members out of one church. 600 members. Started a church. The same model, same, same structure as his daddy. See? He had the vision, didn't have his heart. So you not only got to share, you got to share your heart. You got to share your heart. You, you, they have to understand that burden. They, they can see the vision. They have to feel the burden. Y'all get that? They can see the vision, but they have to feel your burden. Man. And that's on you and me. We, we've got to share that. You, 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 you can't be up in an ivory tower. You, um, that's, I messed up on that. And I told my son, don't you do this, man. Uh, uh, they, my board used to have, I don't know how your structure is. Uh, last several years, I didn't even go to board meetings. And Lord helped some of the stuff they was doing. But anyway, I didn't even go. I told my son, I said, look, don't, don't let them have a dog fight without you. If they want to have a luncheon and a tea, go to everything. They need to see your heart, not just your vision. They take that vision, they'll kill you, man. <laughs> See my wounds, I can tell you. I'm done. Anyway, okay, that's it. Praise the Lord. I'm out. Peace out. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.